Bridget and Scott, we're gonna we're gonna do another um, miniature mailbag episode uh, this week. The Bruins again, they're they're just kind of off for a couple of days here. It, it won't be as extensive as probably last week's. But before we get into that, why don't you guys, uh, Scott, maybe you can update Bru- uh, Bruins fans on the latest happening with the team. Sure. So the news out of uh, Tuesday's practice is that Pavel Zaka and Charlie McAvoy have both been ruled out for Wednesday's game in New Jersey. Uh, McAvoy obviously missed Saturday's game as well with the upper body injury that he suffered last week. Zaka left Saturday's game against Arizona with an upper body injury. Uh, Both still considered day-to-day. Nothing decided beyond Wednesday, but they won't be playing Wednesday. So Jesper Boquist was called up from Providence and remains to be seen if he plays Wednesday or if he's just the 13th forward. Um, Morgan Geeky will remain at center. He's been practicing on the top line between Pasternak and DeBrusque. So I know we're going to get into that as, as we get going here. Um, and I guess, you know, the other news, the item, which is I think what the vast majority of the questions we got was about is uh, Montgomery re- revealed on Monday that he had a meeting with, with Matt Patra after, you know, Patra once again was um, benched in the third period on Saturday, even though they were already down a center. And Montgomery basically gave off the vibe that this was a positive meeting and it was all about, you know, kind of reinforcing his belief in Patra and the team's belief. And, you know, they, they think he's doing a lot of good. They think he has a bright future, but there's just some stuff he has to work on. You know, he said he tries to kind of leave Patra with like one or two things when, when they meet to, to focus on uh, in order to better round out his game and be able to, you know, play in those situations going forward at some point. So, yeah, I think that's sort of the the main news from the last two days of practice. So I think just because you, you just brought it up, Scott, maybe we can just jump in quickly to at least one of the mailbag questions that was directly correlating to the meeting with Montgomery and Patra. And that was, uh, it was a message or a question sent in from, from Sam who, uh, or was it Kim? My apologies. Hold on we have questions. From uh, Sam, Sam. About it. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I know. But this one in particular was from Sam said, uh, encouraged that Monty met with Potra on Monday and appreciated his comments, but I want to see Potsy. I like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just reading the questions as they come in. Right. So everybody's, you know, mentioning their nicknames and whatnot, but, um, I want to see Potsy on the ice more helping the bees than worrying if he's smiling enough. I get they want his energy and enthusiasm in the locker room, but hoping they can find a balance. Brian, Bridget, and Scott, do you think the meeting with Monty will help Maddie, Matt Patra, in the long run? Seems he definitely has the support of his teammates, hoping he now feels he has the support of his coach. Well, I think it was necessary. And I, uh, not to like jump ahead to one of the other questions, but like, I think that maybe it does ease a little bit of the criticism that was going on in the media about benching him. I mean, we spent, I don't know, like a half an hour talking about it the last podcast. And I think the backlash was maybe a little bit more than they were expecting. And in terms of like Patra's development, obviously you need to explain what you want from him that's different or like how you want to use him or like he needs to have the information in order to learn. 
and to figure out, you know, what his role is and, and what have you. So obviously a meeting was definitely warranted. And like we mentioned at the end of the game, he said Montgomery said he didn't talk to him mid game. He didn't say anything to him during it. He said, I'll handle it Monday. And he did um, with the meeting. And I, I like, I think we also alluded to this a lot last podcast. I'm sure he wasn't like upset. Like the meeting wasn't because he was, you know, emotional about it or like mad about it or anything like that. It was probably more of a, Hey, this is, this is why this is what, um, like, this is the way we might do it in the future. And just an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and we kind of saw this with pulling Swayman from the game, you know, whatever that was two weeks ago, there's, there's not enough time for a coach to explain those decisions in game. Like you just have to make your decision and go with it. And then you're focusing on what's happening the next shift and what the opponent's doing and what your line's doing. And like, you can't just talk to one player and, you know, explain in, in great detail why you're pulling them or sitting them down or whatever. So yeah, especially with a young player like Potter, like it, it is important to explain what you want from him, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and I think he has sort of every step of the way this season uh, you know, especially with the rookie, like, I think they meet more often than, um, you know, like Montgomery in the past has described Charlie Coyle as like a very easy hands-off player to coach. Like he rarely has to talk to him about stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's because Charlie Coyle has been in the league a long time and he knows what he's doing. And there's very rarely anything there that you have to correct or worry about. Um, low maintenance is the exact description that Montgomery has used with a rookie, it's just different. Like they're going through all of this for the first time. So it's, it's a necessity to meet with them more and talk about all this stuff. And that's really all I think is happening. Like it, maybe some of it is a response to the criticism, but honestly, like, I don't, I don't really think Montgomery cares all that much. If like people are ripping him for benching Potter in the third period, like, I, I think he would have had this meeting anyways, because we know, you know, we've always heard communication is his strength. And this is why, because he does explain things to players and he will pull them aside and go over stuff. So, you know, I think it would have happened anyways, but it does also have that effect of maybe blunting some of the criticism that was coming in towards Montgomery in particular. Yeah, I think, I think the most important thing in this situation is that you need to have communication as a player. It's, it, it it's, it's imperative that you know where you stand with your coach. And that's not something that is prevalent in every coach player dynamic or relationship. And I think that as long from a player's perspective, as long as you know where you stand with your coach and what's expected of you and why things are being done the way that they are, then you're not wasting energy asking yourself a million questions or trying to get into your coach's head because he's telling you exactly what he's expecting and why he's doing the things that he's doing. So as, so yeah, I, I think that's more important that that line of communication is there with Montgomery and his players and specifically, you know, being sat in a period or whatever um, players waste a lot of energy off the ice and on the ice and on the bench trying to think of why did coach sit me there? I thought I played well. Why did coach do that? Why is coach doing this? When you don't have to ask yourself all those questions, you can just focus on, on what they're, what's being asked of you and how to, how to move forward. Um, Scott, you mentioned, sorry, Bridget. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say to take that a step forward. It might be helpful for us 
in the media and just the fan base to know what was said exactly, like what was the explanation so that every single time it happens, it's not like the same conversation where it's like, oh, was he getting punished for something or did we see this and that like it's been explained why, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to explain it to him and that should help. I mean, him and it helps a little bit with the, the, you know, controlling the narrative and and making it look a little bit better. But I think that maybe a a direct explanation to the fan base might also help with that situation and have people not freak out as much because once again, our entire mailbag uh, was pretty much full of questions to this topic and people with a lot of different uh, opinions on it. And most of them were in disagreement that um, this was the right thing to do with Patra. Yeah, and I also think like at at its core, this is a matter of you know they had three days off after Saturday's game, and, and Montgomery kind of referenced this too that you know he I think it was on his Nesson post game interview where he referenced that they had the days off coming up, and that allows you to shorten your bench to three lines, which is what they did in the third period. They just rolled three lines. It wasn't just Patra, who obviously Zach was out. Patra sat, and I believe Oscar Steen only got like two shifts in the third period. So like he was the other one who sort of shuffled out of that group. Um, yeah, when you go down to three lines, like if you have three lines that are working well, then you're just going to stick with those three. And it's like you're not going to then also mix Patra in just to get him a shift. If he's not in that group of nine forwards that you're cutting the bench down to in game. There's not really a way to get back in there. Now going forward, that's what Montgomery is focusing is focusing on is like, what can you do to be in that top nine? The next time we shorten that. And by the way, and also this it was next kind stretch, of a- like, sorry, just to finish my point that this next stretch, like you might not see it because now they have three games in four days. So you know, they might have to continue to roll four lines, even if it is a one goal game in the third period. And also is a weird situation in that particular game because they didn't have enough personnel to field the full fourth line because Zaka went down. So like there wasn't enough personnel to roll another line. Like they would have had to mix in uh, different people. And this is very common in college hockey. Seeing this happen a lot. Um, sometimes when you get a, an injured player, the bench shortens even further to those three lines college is you're way more likely to see three lines most of the game maybe like honestly sometimes three shifts from the fourth line throughout the whole game much much more common in college um they also obviously play much less of a workload than an nhl workload so um just a little bit of perspective on that and maybe logistically why there wasn't like a makeshift fourth line for those guys to even roll with because geeky gets called up and then that leaves Patra and Steen um, just really not not with another third line mate. So, uh, and, and one one last point I would make on the communication thing. Um, I forgot to mention this. Uh, just because a coach communicates well with his player doesn't mean that that player is going to a like or b agree with what the coach is saying. But it's still better than not knowing anything at all. And at least you can take whatever he's giving you. And be like, I might feel this way, but this is what the guys tell me. And he's, he's making the decision. So it is what it is. Um, I want to clarify that as well. Yeah. yeah um, one time I cried on the bench when my basketball coach didn't put me out there and I didn't know why. So 
you know, it's better yeah. to have the clarification before anyone starts crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I would just get very defensive. Like, I'd, I'd just be like, like in my head, it was just like, God, coach, coach has it out for me. Like, I, I don't deserve this. Oh. And, you know, yeah. pr- probably did in retrospect, but. Pro tip to you guys. If anyone ever sees me crying, just know I only cry when I'm angry. So that means someone is like, I'm seeing red and someone's about to die. I I only cry when I drive to Chick-fil-A and realize it's Sunday. Besides that, I'm fine, honestly. <laughs> um, so, Scott, you mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you don't think Montgomery really cared all too much necessarily about maybe the outside noise. And that You think he would have had this conversation with Patra regardless. So I'm just going to – uh, Kim kind of sent this in um, a, a message. I'm going to pick pick at it, pick at the bones and just kind of get to what she's asking. So based on what I just mentioned, Scott, she was asking if there's a little bit of damage control going on. Maybe maybe Montgomery wasn't expecting uh, so much questioning uh, of benching Potra for the period. Uh, do you think that management or PR or somebody kind of told Montgomery to maybe get ahead of it and just kind of explain herself a little bit more. Um, she's at, she's wondering those things. I don't, again, like I don't really think Montgomery cares all that much about outside noise or criticism. So I don't think there's so much damage control, but I'm sure there was like a quick touching of base of like, Hey, th- this is like a thing people are talking about. I'm sure media is going to ask about it, you know, just a heads up. And, from there, I think Montgomery's answers were pretty genuine. Like, I, I don't think, I do think he was going to have the conversation anyways, because we've heard, like he told him that on the, on the bench. Um, so how would he know that everyone was going to rip him at that point, you know? Um, and then like, you can't, you can't really like lie about a conversation you have with a player. So I'm sure what he told the media is more or less what he said in the meeting too. Like, I think he, was trying to project sort of positivity and confidence in Patra um, while also highlighting like a couple things he had to work on and improve. So it's, it, it maybe doubles as damage control because of that approach. But I think that approach was more for Patra himself and was geared towards the best way to handle Matt Patra rather than the best way to handle backlash from media and fans. I would say like my, my opinion on this is it's probably just the course of how things go in a, you know, in a week, like it's just par for the course and how you would deal with this. So it doesn't, I don't think it matters like who the player was. This is probably how it was going to be handled. And obviously because of the situation where Patra is where he, where he's, um, you know, needing a little bit of extra direction and, and people had a lot of questions. I think it, it definitely helped, but this is, I don't think management said, Hey, you have to do this. Like it was, it's what he would have done. I think maybe even say to Trent Frederick or like name a person that he like might decide to I only named Trent Frederick because in the past Bruce Cassidy had had sat Trent Frederick um, and, you know, benched him or made him like a healthy scratch or whatnot. Like, I think that the right thing to do is to have that conversation. I don't think it was management saying, Hey, but you know what, if he didn't 
handle it that way. Maybe management would have eventually been like, what was this? Like, why didn't, but I don't think they had to. Let me, let me add, let me add on to Kim's question for you guys. Scott, do you have something to say to follow up? Nope. With? Go, go um, let me add on to Kim's question. Um, do you think it's possible that going forward, uh, I, I don't want, we all know there's no hockey market that likes to create circus headlines and drama like Toronto. Um, but I will say Boston is a lot closer to Toronto on that scale than say Florida or Carolina. So do you think Montgomery seeing how many questions arise in the media to him, to Patra? Hell, Scott had a little featured article, which by the way, great job, Scott, um, with Matt Patra. But do you think Montgomery doesn't, for the sake of this not be becoming a continued storyline and, and a distraction for a young player, do you see him maybe not doing this in the, full, in the future just because now he sees what it kind of causes in, in the media, which honestly, guys, if we're being like transparent, the media does literally and figuratively infiltrate the locker room. So do you maybe see Montgomery maybe trying to put out fires before they start and just maybe not scratch him for whole periods going forward? Yeah, I'll actually be pretty interested in this because I think obviously the, the, the end goal is to get Potter to a position where you're confident and comfortable using him in those situations anyways. So, you know, and then I, I mentioned the schedule as well, three games in four days coming up. Like that's going to make it tougher to shorten the bench anyways. So it might happen naturally that, you know, if they're in that situation at some point in these next couple games, Pacha's going to have to play. Um, but yeah, it, it will be interesting because I I don't know that like the things that Montgomery wants Pacha to work on and learn, you know, I don't think like, oh, okay, we had a good meeting and a couple good practices and now he's all set. Like, I think, the, I think there are things that as a 19-year-old rookie, he has to continue to work on and learn over like a long period of time over the course of the season. But yeah, at some point though, you do have to get him into those chances um, and see what he does with it. So I I think it's probably, it would probably happen anyways, whether there's, you know, back, whether there's backlash, whether they're worried about backlash or not. But I do wonder if like any of this, um, maybe accelerates it a little bit where, okay, next time he's thinking about benching him, he says, mm, now, nah, you know what, Let, let's roll and see, see how he does. Yeah. And I think that I, I have a hard time. Cause I was surprised in the first case uh, in, in the first place where Patro didn't take a single shift, right? We talked about how that's the extreme. I wonder if maybe we see it more moderately where it's like, four shifts like it's like it's a it's a limited number of shifts but not an entire period without shifts makes it look a little bit less bad also you know give him a little bit of a taste of it see how he handles it you know, like work him into it if that's the whole plan and, and obviously by the playoffs you need to know who you're putting on the ice can handle those situations especially someone that might be a playmaker that you need out there in terms of influencing the offense uh, you want to give them a little bit of a taste. So you don't bench them for an entire period. Maybe it's just more limited shifts. And even if, by the end of the season, he should be able to go out there and do it. Um, otherwise, 
it's just not ideal for a playoff situation because some of the other messages that emails that we got had to do with the fact that does it really make sense to have one of your best playmakers on the bench uh, at the end of a game when, when it's a tight game? 